All right. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Wrecked. Top of the morning, Paul. And balance the day to you, Mike, and our special guests as well. Angela, good friend of both Paul and I, are joining today on kind of a whim and a prayer and uh, a little bit, a bit, a bit of a bribe. I don't know. Angela, thanks for being here. Good morning. <laughs> Definitely a bribe. <laughs> Um, so she Ed, said you made her come. I don't know if that's a bribe or not. You know, it was. We were together on Monday, and I we were talking about. I don't even remember what we were talking about exactly. But I was uh, just thanking you for your last podcast. Oh yeah, we started talking about the last podcast, Endure, and uh, and Angela. So we just and we talked earlier in the in the year about having you having you join us, and I think for, there's a lot of reasons. But you were you know obviously connected to Paul. Connect you know we have. So it's kind of an inner connection we, the three of us have. Definitely. Big maybe, time. Maybe start with that, Angela. Tell a little bit about your connection with Paul, going mm-hmm. back, back to the day and with Sarah and everything. Yes, 1995. I was his student, and uh, he talked a lot about Sarah, his daughter, in class, and I wanted to babysit her. And he wouldn't let me babysit her until I was out of his class. So the summer of... Why is that, Paul? I don't know. This is, uh, rule is this? some highlights to me, too. <laughs> so let's listen to the rest. Maybe it will be revealed. I don't think it will be revealed. It just... <laughs> you, that's what you remember, That's though. what I remember. And okay. so I was begging to watch her that first day of summer. I think it kind of started, so... And you um, knew her already from just, just being around from, campus? Yeah, and okay. him talking about her. And she seemed super cool, and she's, like, two. <laughs> um, but uh, I just started babysitting her, and I think... Probably around age four, she asked me to be her sissy, mm. and that's where that was born. And so I did all the things sissies do, and awesome. that's how we started. So you started babysitting her as young as two? Think about, about that, Somewhere maybe there. three. Wow, so you knew her a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sarah generally believed that she was her sister. She did. It was a pretty... Uh, traumatic <laughs> moment when that feeling uh, of me not being her sister for reals came about. I got a phone call from Jody that said, I think you need to come over. And so <laughs> I came over and she just, it was like your, your heart just tore out of you because she, I just had to tell her that we're sisters in our hearts and that it doesn't matter if we're not like blood sisters that yeah. we're always sisters and right. you can, I'll always be your sissy and nothing will change that. I think I even went to show and tell a couple times <laughs> at her school because people would say, you don't have a sister. And then I have to go show and tell <laughs> in second grade uh, to let them believe that she does have, in fact have a sissy. So. so cute. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. And then your and I's connection, I was trying to think back like when we first met, um, obviously as, you know, friends with your, probably your sister and your, your brother-in-law, mm-hmm. uh, Sean and Katie, earlier on because yeah. he, and, he and I coached together. But I think that's it. And then yeah. I was, you know, on, uh, got doing Sensi and stuff with Amy. Oh, yeah. So I got okay. to know her a little bit, but. Yeah. I think Sean and Katie were probably in one of their parties or something like that where we've met, we met up, but yeah, that's I feel like I've known started. you forever, but yeah. it, I can't pinpoint like yeah, me when we actually met. So we got to work together this year. So that was awesome. Super um, awesome. Yeah. So all worked out. Um, 
so yeah um this year you know we've we've talked a lot on this podcast about loss and grief and obviously that's the the focus of this in particular losing sarah with paul and, and Braden with me um but you've gone through your own loss this year and what we've talked a lot about in this is podcast is this is not specific to any one kind of loss or whatever um but it's it's kind of people are listening to it for a lot of different reasons um, that maybe even haven't had a significant loss in their, in their life. Right. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about, you know, not to trigger any major emotions, but if it happens, it happens. Um, but your dad, you know, was, had a, had a heart attack this last year in, in May and lost him and he was a great man. But why don't you talk a little bit about him and kind of your loss over the last year? Yeah. So uh, on May 3rd, I was actually driving to a pre-interview for uh, my current job. And uh, when I was taking my girls over there, um, I walked in and, well, I knew but prior to it because there was a 911 call, but uh, he had had a heart attack. And so uh, it's just, as you both know, that instant, your life has changed in an instant with a phone yeah. call with... Um, you know, mine happened to be a phone call as well while driving. And uh, he was just big. He was big in size. <laughs> he was big in personality. Um, he did not care what he said or how he said it to who he said it to. Um, but on the other hand, he had a way of his compassion and his love was big. He loved big. He did everything big. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, big Papa, Big Dave, Big Daddy. He had a lot of names. Um, but he was Papa and he was Dad to us. And uh, life-altering experience. But to back that up, I think where my life is a little different than others is growing up in a funeral home and growing up around death and growing up around um, grief and watching him do that for his whole life. And... Um, there were times when he would, I remember one of my earliest memories is being, at that time you threw your kid in a car, there was no uh, seats, you know, car seats. <laughs> right. And I go on a call with him in a van and we go to a house, I'm just told to stay in the car and I hear him coming, I hear all this laughter, all of this coming from this door. And I turn around and you know, he's got a, a body on a cot, you know, someone who passed away and everyone's laughing, you know, surrounded by this wow. person. And I remember that memory because that is what he did. He had a way of making you feel um, like you're his best friend or make you feel f comfortable or um, embrace you if you're sad or however. He just had a way of doing that and making you feel that way. So watching that, I mean, that was just one instance, but watching that as a little girl, um, I think helped me with working in that business too and kind of finding my niche and where I fit in the funeral home because I'm definitely not a science kid and that business has like two parts to it where you're in the science piece of it and then there's that empathy that you've got to walk people through stuff pretty hard stuff yeah in a really short time so uh, I think that's where I found my niche in that business uh, doing grief recovery work or just walking them through how to plan a funeral and do those things um, so that's a little background. Yeah. Interesting that, uh, 
that's the one, one of the many things I remember about him too was uh, him laughing at Sarah's funeral and him making me feel like I wanted to hit him once because <laughs> it was so funny it's like man that worked really well and I you resent you feel that <laughs> right yeah and uh when you said you grew up around that and I wish I had that because uh, we talked about uh, a couple of podcasts ago one of our guests mentioned that that death is a part of life you know and I am so scared of it and so you know confused by it and uh, Dave on that day and like you just said on many other days for many other families made it feel okay that Sarah was okay, that yes, this isn't a, you know, this isn't a fun time or a fun experience, but it's a part of life and we have to get through it, at least the service part of it and then kind of on your own, but thanks to him and for your attitude still rippling down for the, the lighter side of Sears, the laughter component I think is so important and so healing. Mm-hmm. I think we would always joke growing up. I mean, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have beepers. We didn't have computers and email. It was like you would sit by a phone and wait for it to ring. That's like the life we would live growing up if he was quote unquote on call or things like that. So uh, it evolved into cell phones and beepers and ways to be free and go do things. But there were many times where we were on either on our way to the coast or on our way to Disneyland and someone died and you turn around and go Mm. back because it was that important for him to be there for that family or be connected in some way. Um, Or we would always joke growing up, um, if he ever had to do our hair, he would only do the front of our hair because he never had to do the back of anybody's hair. That was the big joke. Uh, (laughs) uh, We would always laugh about that, but... He offered he a me a suit guy. that didn't have a back. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> that sounds like him. Yeah. You're right. You're right on his personality, though. Like, if anybody knew him, you felt like he was your friend. Yeah. He made you feel that way. He was just... Um, totally. He was a one-of-a-kind guy. I, don't, I can't think of very many, if anybody even close to like him like mm-hmm. he's just he's just a one-of-a-kind guy that i think perfect for the job that he had to do yes. right so perfect for that career and you just mentioned he would, he lived it he was always quote on call mm-hmm. and uh would stop what he was doing to fulfill that role perfect yeah, yeah and you really felt that going to his funeral like just the you know the three of you talking that you know his daughters and then all of his his friends and those that spoke i mean he just he just had so many people that loved him and felt like he was their best friend right. and and you know they felt that so it was like yeah but he documented everything we would do if we would go on a trip if we were if there was an opportunity for a picture it was for his funeral and he would say I mean he prepped he he spent his whole life preparing for his funeral so when we were planning his funeral we didn't have to do anything we knew he wanted this he he would have to do all these pictures that he would do for his funeral like when when I say like it was our daily life it truly was like he Hmm. 
we talked probably, about it. We lived it. We yeah. It was all the time. It doesn't make grief any less. Sure. Like I'm like a pro. <laughs> That's the unfortunate part. Like I can do all of these things, but every time I lose somebody, it's still. Yeah. I have to feel it a hundred percent and walk through it the same. Good every point. Time. I mean, it's uh, going through Sarah's twenty plus years ago. Uh, I was younger, immature. There were a lot of things I look back on now that I handled differently. She was a flower girl in our wedding. It was right after our wedding. And, uh, you know, I have told Paul before, I felt like, uh, you know, I lost Sarah. This happened to me. I didn't give it a minute to think about others in that situation. I think we do that when we lose someone that's that close. And then finding my place with, you know, nobody knows I'm her sissy, so they're not thinking about me or they're not calling me or they're not so I had to find my way with oh, yeah. how I was yeah, good point. you know I know I was her sissy she knows that I was her sissy they know that but you know anniversaries go by and nobody remembers or you know I make it very a habit to reach out to anybody because I don't want anybody to feel that feeling so I always mark you know my calendar's loaded with people remembering their days that are important to them because I don't want people to feel like that that, that perks is important to them um, versus, you know, having more experience now and having more, obviously more griefs happen in your life. Um, I have a way of looking outward versus inward, uh, which in turn helps me. <laughs> so those are just some things I've learned along the way with different griefs. Nice. So you have a calendar of other people's death versary mm-hmm. so that you will remember to reach out to them right says a lot about who you are and uh, I think that's why we're so close to you and just just the person that you you are and um, there's so many different directions I, I want to go back to your loss with with your dad but that what you just said is a, a good segue too. is you know this Friday today is the one year, you know, to the day of, of when Braden's funeral was. And you were absolutely amazing to my family during our darkest week, right? I mean, leading up to that funeral. And I, I hope you know that. I hope you know how... Um, important you were to get us through that through that week you were there like day one side by side like giving us peace and confidence in that we would get through that week somehow some way when we needed it the most and um, I know you you grew up in a funeral home if you will and I'm sure that helped you but it was more than just being you know grown up in, in in that industry that's not where that was coming from it came from you and who you are and and your heart and empathy and um, care for others and I know that a lot of that comes from your family your dad in particular and you know how you grew up but but I just want to say thank you and you know I know Amy and and our family would say the same you were um, truly an angel for us that week so thank you you're welcome I think I appreciate that. It's hard to take compliments like that when you just do stuff. But I do think that I don't really have an example. But if you look at someone that 
that's a professional at their whatever, you would look to them. Like, I don't know how to ski, but I would look to someone who would teach me how to ski. And when you get in those moments, like I feel when I get in those moments, I know what I'm doing. Now, at that time, I had just gotten a new job. I did not know how to do that, that job. <laughs> and I was like so scared to do that job when that happened to you 39 days after it, I went through it. Uh, I knew how to do that. Like I knew how to do that. And again, I don't know how I know to do that, whether it's by example, whether it's that's who I am or I don't know how I know how to do that. Uh, but I... I do know when I help others, I, it fills my bucket. It makes me feel better. I'm less thinking about, I don't, I tried to be very careful during that time with myself because I'm like, am I not dealing with my dad so I can deal with them? Am I just pushing, I, I almost visualized my grief wrapped up in a box. It was on a table. I saw it. I wasn't ignoring it. I just didn't want to open it yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel like I did both with you. I was kind of walking through stuff with you at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was still crying. I was still feeling it. But I was, it made me feel better to be able to know what to do to help you just get through these six days, these seven, whatever days it was going to be to get stuff done. Yeah. Because you have to do that. And then afterwards is when, you know, like, how can I help them later? Because the world goes on and they don't care that, not in a bad way they don't care, but everybody goes on and you are like, how is this possibly going on? You and I talked throughout the year, which, you know, uh, again, going back to signs and things that kind of drop into your day, you know, I didn't know why I got that job. I mean, I don't know how to do it. So I'm like, how did I get Whatever. this job? You're but perfect for that job. <laughs> um, you know, then that happens to you and immediately was clear to me why I had that job. And I'm going to be learning it and doing it, but I got to kind of be there in case I felt very protective of you, making sure, you know, if you were going to stay, then you had somebody or something that you could land in and just vomit whatever was (laughs) inside to be able to get your day done and do your thing. Uh, So I felt fortunate often days to pop in and check on you and do those things, but um, anyway, but all that's happening while you're, you know, and I, I'll admit I'm not as in tune, or maybe wasn't a pay, paying attention to your your grief. You know, you you talking about how you were so, you know, paying attention to to me and our family and stuff like that. But you're you're going through it in parallel. Mm-hmm. So what has the last year been like for you for? dealing with your loss of your dad I feel like I um, definitely have held on to held it in versus you know my car is my space I think that's why my kids still don't drive because I'm like I'll take you and then that's my time to just I don't think I'm a burden to anyone and I don't feel like I can't talk about it I feel like I don't know how to say the words that I want to say. That there's no, no word to express where I'm at. Uh, I definitely, if I'm crying, I'm just going to cry. I'm certainly not. I mean, you're always going to get me. And I don't know how you're going to get me, but you'll get me. I'm not going to be someone different. But I don't think um, I, 
you also have like my sisters and my mom. Everybody's doing it different. And yeah. then you have my three kids who they're every day in his life, and I'm trying to comfort them. So I feel like I just keep getting pushed back on the burner to take care of that. So I'm starting to feel that a little bit after a year that I haven't quite taken care of myself in that way, physically or mentally. So I think, it, I mean, I get to do this for the rest of my life, so I have time to figure that out. But listening to you guys and talking it through, there's like a core amount of people you talk to, like if you're having a minute that I can reach out to. I think that's where I'm at and how I'm dealing with it. But again, I go back to, I do a lot for other people when I don't know how to express, like I know how to do that. So I just do that. Excellent self-awareness, Angela, that you know that about yourself. And uh, that often happens, like we know how moms do, uh, do the brunt of taking care of the home. And so they're always the last to, uh, you know, feel the gratitude or take care of themselves because everything else has to be so, and you're so good at comforting others. The fact that you know that you put that little package on the table for a while and that you're checking in with us and you know the things that are making you feel better about your days and that you will get to the full grief experience and you have your whole life to... Uh, live this so I'm impressed with your self-awareness that's a gift or a skill or a character that uh, more people I think if we could get more in tune with ourselves it really does ripple out so thanks for sharing that about Dave and thanks for being you and it is just you it's not because you were raised that way or lived in the funeral home because you offered that to Sarah's family way before he even knew Michael and uh, so keep on rolling thank you I think in teaching grief recovery too being aware that uh, we all have this like I always said like an imaginary tool belt that it, we're, we're born with all the tools we need to get through all of these hard things we just don't know how to use them and we don't know that they're with us so whether it's therapy or counseling or I mean, unfortunately, we have to have a reason to use them, so that's not fun. But we, when I would teach those or facilitate those classes, it was just making people aware of their tool belt and the tools that you need to. And there were, like, were crazy things that we would do, but, you know, you catch yourself driving. We all do this, especially now in grief. Like, I will be driving, and I do not know how I got to that place like that's scary to know <laughs> yeah, that it is so an working feeling, on, yes. yeah, working on tools to stay focused and to stay in that moment and when we start getting that's another thing i'm kind of dealing with right now getting out far out and versus like let's just keep it in i can control this i can do this but when i start going out too far uh even as simple as planning a calendar or anything like that learning to just keep things uh, we say going far Far, far out, like about in like months or years, or just, or thinking about just time. if I go too, yeah, time. If I go too far out, then I get uh, anxious. Future and just, tripping. Yeah, yeah, I get crazy. So, uh, bringing things back to where I can control them or see them, and kind of battling, as you guys know, like 
if that can happen to me that quickly, I'm gonna, this is going to happen to something else in my life or this is going to happen again. That's kind of something I'm dealing with too right now and kind of unpacking is, okay, I, that broke me. It, it's going to happen again too because I love so big and I don't love you a little bit. I love you a lot. And when I say I love you, like I mean it. And that's going to happen again. So in my mind, I'm like a work harder, not smarter gal. And I want to start tackling, I don't want that caboose to hit me and I haven't dealt with these four griefs. I, I don't want to do that. So I'm, I'm trying to deal with them now as much as I, or as best I can and use those tools to walk through this grief when, until that next one comes and I can, I can deal with that. I think I dealt with that in grief recovery a lot was we sit down, we're going to talk about this person's, the reason that they're there and before you know it we're talking about like four deaths before that and that whole session they worked on that first one versus the one that they came for so learning that lesson quickly is those unresolved griefs and and realizing that it isn't just i think that's what i love about your podcast is your intentions were started with dads who's who've lost children or parents and it quickly evolves to i'm in my car and i hear you talking and i have to pull over because something you said just struck me that was my moment or that's exactly what I'm feeling and I'm alone in the car but I'm not because you guys feel that so I'm not alone now um, so it ripples into people understanding that grief is more than death the grief is a change in your life it's a change in what you know um, and being prepared to deal with those with those tools that we have is whether it's coping skills whatever it is yeah. it's pretty remarkable what we can do our Agreed and well put. You know, the majority of our podcast listeners, according to our statistics, are people like you, or, and I say that just profile wise, you're middle aged females. Um, Mothers may or may not have lost um, kids. Um, And I I often hear from people that actually haven't had significant loss of, of kind of why they're listening to the podcast and it's, you know, how it's making a difference or whatever. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you, I mean, cause here, we're just a couple dudes talking about, you know, our own experiences and mm-hmm. grief and loss and stuff like that. Any idea why it feels like more female, middle-aged females are listening to this? Because uh, it goes right back to what Paul was saying that where moms are that center I think this is my opinion, uh, but I think about when I became a mom, and I'm looking for all the books that I can possibly get to tell me how to raise this human that I've been put in charge of. Yeah. And we read all these books, and like this is stupid, this is dumb, this isn't going to work. Uh, this isn't, you know, you're reading constantly, which you're also doing now in grief. Uh, we're we're looking for something to tell us how to do it, to tell us how to feel, to tell us how to get to the next day. And it's not going to change our reality, which sucks, but we're looking for something. And, you know, I did it when Casey was born, looking for those books. And then I would take what I needed from the book that I think would work and used it and threw all the rest away. Uh, And I think as moms, if that's where we're going, or middle-aged women or whatever we are, can't believe I'm a middle-aged woman. I'm like 12 in my I'm like 12 in my head, and I'm like middle-aged. Um, 
but we're always looking for ways that we're able to help others I think like if it were me I listen to you and I'm like ooh, can I pick up a nugget that I can help with somebody else or you need to listen to this podcast I also think it's just it truly is organic I love Paul and I hate that we don't have a list of questions we're ready to go we know what we're going to talk about <laughs> but in turn it's also what makes this work is because it's like we're little flies on the wall listening to this conversation that we shouldn't be listening to but we can't stop listening because it's just a conversation and that's what makes it work and I think what makes people want to listen because it's not scripted and it's just real and I don't know I, I can't say why I'm not a statistics person but I don't <laughs> know why uh, it's women that listen I think men might have a harder time digging in and, and getting real sometimes and, and you do that but again I think you're helping them do that by, by, by I, doing I think what it you goes do. back to dudes not thinking they need a map to, sure. to find their way to <laughs> and they're like, no, you we know, got this. I, I don't yeah. need, I don't need, <laughs> I don't need directions. And then yeah. you're gonna have to ask directions, and the woman that listens to it can <laughs> right. help you. <laughs> right, touche. Yeah. So I think it's it's maybe part of that. You know, speaking of not knowing how to do this or not, you know, kind of figuring this out. Um, last time Paul and I talked, we were going into the one year, you know, right. I, again, struggle with the word anniversary of of, of Braden's death and that was this last weekend and you were part of something that we awesome. tried um and and did just to try to make it um i don't know make it special and make a positive out of a out of a kind of a negative if you will and so i can't remember we, if we talked in detail what we did but on sunday the uh, 11th the day before um the anniversary we had I don't know how many people were there. You were there, Angela, 30? Like, I think this might be more than that. Yeah. But it was, it was a good turnout. Yeah, a really good turnout of his friends and some, some adults, some former coaches and people. I mean, basically just a group of probably, I don't know, 30 to 40 people that knew him well. Um, that, And we just had some food and um, just hung out for a while. And then we kind of circled the, the group and... Uh, we weren't sure if people, you know, what people were going to share or if they were going to share. So we had some like prompts planned ahead of time that we could pass around, but we really didn't end up using those. Um, and just open it up for short stories and memories of of Braden and what I think we're anticipating with a lot of just emotion and tears. That blender, the old blender, damn blender, um, turned into. God, a lot of laughs and smiles and just good memories. I learned a lot about him. Um, just some some stories that came up. I was like, "What stuff you didn't know? <laughs> oh, stuff yeah. you didn't know?" <laughs> um, I don't know. It was great. And what what was your take on the on the evening? I loved it because I didn't know him the way that they did, and so it's been fun to get to know him through everyone and the stories. Hmm. What from last year, like when it happened, obviously you tell stories and things and then fast forward to like hearing his friends talk I loved it I thought it was a great idea and I go back to the bike hike Sarah's bike hike was such a big deal I mean be prepared it didn't start out that big and got big so you keep doing it <laughs> but what you know whether it lasts for a long time or not um, it, it gives you something to do like be a parent again for him 
and that's what you did. And I think uh, as far as the teens go, like we see them every day, but and they see you. And I don't think they avoid you, but they're certainly not going to come up and like tell mm-hmm. you a story. So it gave them an opportunity, I think, to feel him and miss him and talk about him and laugh about him and remember. It was fun to watch the kids' faces kind of light up and start laughing really hard like, oh, I've got another one or I've got another one. And I loved that because it gave them a way to miss him with you and yeah. and celebrate him too. Like he was so stinking funny. Like I wish I knew him that way. You know, I remember him little delivering stuff to me and things like that. But yeah. it was fun to be a part of that yeah. and, and wherever it goes for you. Yeah. That sounds like a good event, Mike, and your face just lit up when you were talking about those stories of him. And so, you know, we talked about a couple weeks ago, you know, us anticipating this event, and then you just described some joyful, happy, comical memories of that little dude. So, uh, Yeah. yeah, that's neat. It was a cool evening, and I think... You know, we've obviously been, you know, grieving and have have had our outlets as parents and as a family and being together and everything that we've gone through over the year to kind of work through this and and, and deal with this. But I think a lot of his friends, that might have been the first time that they've had an opportunity to kind of express, share out their you know, memories in of, a safe place, a safe space. Yeah. Like and again, even as friends, they're probably not sitting around the lunch table doing that. Right. So you gave them an opportunity, um, to feel that with you, uh, and, and in safe to tell stories that probably, you know, like we're not telling our mom and dads this, but they felt like I can tell it. And it was, right. it was so fun to watch them. Uh, and Amy and you, I think people look at, I mean, maybe you felt this way, like, are they crying? Are they, you know, they're staring at you to see how you're reacting. And so to see you legitimately smile and feel that and remember things like that's where that's what it's about. And uh, it was awesome. I think it goes back to and we've talked about this a lot is what parents want maybe the most other than obviously having your kid back. But what you want the most short of that when you lose someone is to talk about them, to hear stories, to to have the opportunity to, to talk about who right. he was or who Sarah was. And, and when you have, have those times, it's like it feels uh, this empty tank that otherwise couldn't be filled, right? Mm. And, and, and uh, not that it completely fills it, because again, what you really want is everything to be the same again, right? Like gonna. we talked about before. Um, well, I also think you don't get new memories. All I've got is what I have. I don't get new ones. I don't get new pictures. I don't get new uh, new memories. I, I just have what I have. And I think we're scared that they're going to forget our person because there aren't any new ones mm-hmm. coming. You know, like, uh, you know, I talked to 20 plus years in and I'm still telling the story of Sarah slithering out of her uh, clothes on the floor and saying that she's a boa constrictor <laughs> and I don't get new ones like she's not going to do that anymore right. and I know I can tell them that story and we will laugh because that was Sarah she was so Paul in a lot of ways of that quick wit and funny 
and uh, that's all I have. But if <laughs> I tell if I tell someone else that, they're going to be like, "What?" But I can tell Paul and Jody that, and I know they know. Right. And, and I just thought of that very thing right. too. So nice. We, we get scared that they're going to get forgotten because there aren't new ones coming. You know, there's nothing for them to remember. So it is fun to keep these going, and it does take you know listening to Paul. I didn't know the bike hike was a lot. I just showed up, and I got my cool shirt. But there's so much to that, and it takes a lot out of you to do those things and the pressures to make everybody make it all work. Right. And uh, I think that when I knew you were doing that, I, I went to the bike hike and knew, like, this is such a great way to start that first one. It may not last forever, but uh, the week that leads up to these heaven days or these anniversaries, whatever you want to call them, those monumental life-changing moments are way worse than, I mean, we're, we're thinking about so much. We're making it really, really hard. And we get to the day, it's not that bad. But when you can have events like that and have ways to keep them alive and do fun things and laughing, and it, it helps your heart. It yeah. helps you walk through that next day well, or whatever us, you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it was, that evening was, we left, you know, still talking about some of the stories like did you know he did, did what? no i had no idea you know it's like those kind of things that evening yeah. and then the next day you wake up you know on the on the actual 12th it carried us through the rest of the day like we had a pretty so darn good, to hear. good day on the 12th awesome. because of what we did on the 11th and it was um it just it really did it carried us through i always find it funny cool. like how is that one day like the 12th or the third or the 25th like how is that one day bigger than their whole life? Because it's not. Yeah. It's so just another day. It is another day. And I think I felt everything the morning of the third. I was really li- reliving every all the trauma of that morning. And then literally just said, tomorrow's 366 days. Nothing's changing about from but, today but to what the next. But what you just said is what I was feeling too. And that, that's, I think, the hard thing is on the 12th and leading up to the 12th more more than maybe the 12th again because of the 11th was mm-hmm. helped us it was the reliving of right. the day the, the the actual day that it happened it's you start to relive the moments be, you know that you heard the first time or you discovered you know right. and, and, and it's all that physical it's, it's a physical difficult. memory yep. yes and yeah. it's those keep talking about those lightning bolt moments where you have yeah. that emotion it's like those lightnings lightning bolts are like from within like you're just like they're guttural they yeah. feral it's feral yeah i felt like the things coming out of my mouth were feral like i've never heard anything like that i've never felt like that on the day yes that, yeah. and you relive those things and things you can't unhear um there's moments in his paul's journey that I can't ever unhear and unknow and share with him. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of those things in along the way that you think about the week up or the week up to the day two. You're thinking about what they were doing or what you were doing yes. or the phone calls yes. that you had or uh, you know all of those things. And then that day comes and I gave myself. Mine fortunately was in the morning. I think that was like I can get this over with. And I went to where I thought I could uh, be most vulnerable with myself. And I went to adoration at Holy Apostles. Those poor people thought I probably murdered somebody or something because I was just, I just felt all of it right in front of the Eucharist. And I just felt it because that was all I had in me. 
And when I left, I uh, just had that moment of like, it's just a day. Yeah. It was a really, really, really hard day, but it doesn't make up his whole life and right. his whole existence. It was just a really bad day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely not the anniversary is, is not I mean you, you miss miss them every day. Mm-hmm. It's it's you have that loss, but it, I think it was definitely the um, the the trauma that, that that comes back or or moments of the trauma that come back mm-hmm. that that get you for sure. Oh yeah. So um, good stuff. Um, see, that was a pretty good conversation. It's all right. Never a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Angela, you're the best. Um, I love you guys very much. Yeah. Love you too. Thanks yeah. for being a part of this and a part of Jody Nice Life. I was like, I'm a listener. I'm not someone who goes on podcasts. But I'm well, now I you can put that on your resume. Talk with you. <laughs> on your resume. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, any suggestions for us on future podcasts? Put you on the spot, or should we just more Paul? Just hang it up. <laughs> more Paul. More Paul. Less Mike. <laughs> no. yeah. yeah, I've heard that a little bit too. <laughs> we'll let him do it solo next time. I don't know. I think you're doing great. I think um, there is a lot of families out there um, with like infant loss or stillbirth that I think struggle with. Yeah. Um, the baby wasn't alive or something like that where I think that they are struggling to with their grief they're struggling with their grief so I think infant loss or anyway you're doing great I don't want to put anything you, you everybody comes to you the way they're supposed to and I love that one of the well, things I was thinking about on my way in this morning and I'm aware of our time we're going to wrap up here shortly um and I don't know if they would do this and how this would go, but there's this whole other um, group of siblings, mm-hmm. you know, siblings that have lost loved Definitely. ones. When you said um, the hardest thing is that there'll be no more memories made, right? So not the day of, of the anniversary, but the day after I was talking to, to my daughter Sage and, you know, she was having a real tough time emotionally and and that's what she talked about just like those memories were great but the hardest thing is there aren't any more and she said those exact same things that's like we can't make anymore and uh, that's so true so I I guess what I was wondering this morning is is how would it go if to have you know my two daughters here and and talk to them about their grief journey and I don't know if they would Um, well and especially with the sibling like coming from I have three two sisters three there's three of us we're all doing it differently so to respect each other in that space and then your relationship has to change because that third component isn't there right they're a balancing act like we all offer something different to our family dynamic so when one is taken away then you either have to change yours your relationship with the other person strengthen it or you move apart i mean there's always something so it's such a great topic i think i love it i think so too i mean we've talked about the difference between you know mom and dad and our different you know my my journey and my where i'm at at any given time compared to amy and right and we've talked about that before um but we really haven't talked too much about you know what it's like for a sibling to lose a close, you know, mm-hmm. uh, brother or sister or whatever else. So that might be an interesting topic in the future as well as the one you suggested. Sure. 
Any other final thoughts, Mr. Cheehy? No. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap it up. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening to episode 15 of Wrecked, and we'll catch you next time. Peace out. Peace.